podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. behind women's cricket chat that's georgie cassie mahika and alex coming up on today's podcast so welcome to this week's episode of women's cricket chat with me georgie and alex and i'm absolutely buzzing to say we are joined by the wonderful in a really resplendent jumper for those of you watching on the video it is quite something for those of you on the podcast you can have a use your imagination but Today we're joined by Melissa Story. Welcome to Women's Cricket Chat. Thank you. I'm glad to finally be on and be met with such a nice description of my jumper. I mean, you're definitely affirming the fact this was a good purchase. Yeah, well, we have just heard before this that it was a charity shop purchase, which puts it even higher up because, you know, we're all anti-fast fashion too. So actually you're doing good exactly. for and you're doing good for the visuals. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today. Obviously, we just want to chat through all things your cricket life, commentary, playing, and just casually training to be a lawyer at the same time, you know, because as if you didn't have enough to do with your time. So if we could just kick things off with, um, how did you first get into cricket? I mean, it's all down. I've got a very cricketing family. Um, my dad played every Saturday at the club which meant my mum was either scoring, doing the tees, and at some points I think going fine leg to fine leg when they were one short. So, you know, she was a pro fielder on the boundary. And it just always meant me and my sister were down at the club. We were running around the nets. And I think, as you see with most kids, as soon as they found a tennis ball, they're entertained for hours. And from there, I just got into playing age group cricket, I think as, about as young as you can, around like the under 11 mark. Got into the Wiltshire setup, which was pretty fun. Stayed there until... Oh, God, this is going to test my knowledge. When I was 17, maybe, and then made the traitorous move across the Salisbury Plains over to Hampshire, which was nice because Wiltshire at the time was in Div 3, Hampshire was Div 1, and I was also involved in the Vipers Academy at that time. So I was making many a trip to Southampton. I know the route from my house to the Aegeus Bowl, I think, off the back of my hand. But yeah, it's, it all stems from, from my dad, really. And I always tell people, like, we, we didn't really have a women's coach. At least we had one coach, but she'd never played cricket before. And, you know, because of that, my dad went and trained up, got coaching qualifications. And even when I left age group years and years ago, he still coaches the age groups now. He does the all-stars. And, you know, it's, it's such a nice tale to be able to tell. And you touched there briefly on being part of the Vipers setup. Just talk to us a little bit about how that came about and how you find how you found being part of that setup. I mean, so I got put forward to do the Vipers trials. I, again, I can't quite remember what year. I think I was in the setup for about three years, along with all the other girls from the counties that had been put forward. It was coming off the back of quite a good year I'd had with the bat and with the ball. So I was trying to get in there as an all-rounder. I managed to get through the trial process and I mean it was just amazing like at the time I think we still had like I think I had one year where Lauren Bell was in the academy with us before she got promoted obviously so that was amazing and I, I trained for years with Charlie Dean and I will still hold to the time she is probably the most terrifying bowler I've ever faced because I'm not very good playing shots off my legs 
And obviously she gets a lot of turn on the ball and the amount of time she turned that ball straight into my stomach. And bear in mind, we were training on Saturday morning. So as a student, where had I been until probably about 2 a.m. the previous night before? Getting a ball to the stomach is not what you needed. So, um, yeah, I found Charlie Dean genuinely terrifying face just because of the turn she got. And then obviously you've got the, the being underneath the the leadership of, of Lottie and Charlotte Edwards, who, I mean, since I've even left, we've seen just the success the Vipers have had. And over in the IPL now, with the Mumbai Indians already scoring to the top of the table, we should have seen that coming. But yeah, it was it was great to be able to be around someone with so much knowledge. And I just like, there's such small bits of, you know, advice she's given me across the years it's just suddenly I remember now and again like as I said I was struggling to say shots off my legs and she spent about I think 20-25 minutes just with me in the net doing these underarm feeds and just got me to do these tiny little adjustments which when I'm coaching girls now at uni I'm passing on those steps so yeah she's she's helped a lot and you know there was tons that the, the Viper stepped up too many to name really but you know, it, it was great for, for making friendships there and seeing a lot of them now play in the main squad. Like, it makes you feel really proud and they're all such lovely people. Even when I'm at the ground now, obviously probably not in the capacity I would have expected when I was 17 because I wanted to be a, a professional cricketer. But now that I still get to see them do so well and I get to speak to them at the end of the game and they all come up and say hello, like, it, it really affirms that even though I'm not part of that setup anymore like I'll always be welcomed within that setup and therefore will always support them and what was it like to be coached by the likes of Charlotte Edwards because she's someone we all grew up watching she was sort of like the the shining light of England women's cricket everyone knew Charlotte Edwards everyone knew what she'd accomplished and then to as a youngster have her as a coach what was that like it was great. I mean, one thing which I always remember is her emphasis on fielding, which I think, you know, you see with the Southern Vipers, you see with the Mumbai Indians across the Women's Big Bash League. She was a little bit scary if you fielded bad, but she would always say, you know, fielding won the game. And sometimes if we had two hours training, we would dedicate an hour to just fielding. And this was in the Hampshire setup as well. And that was, you know, really good to be able to get treated like, you know, a professional, even before professionalism came in, she just wanted all of us to be the best we could on the pitch. And I mean, yeah, it, it was a bit surreal first off, like having someone come up to me now and give me a big hug. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, Charlotte Edwards, she just gave me a hug. Like, I remember the first time I put her number into my phone. I was like, this is so cool. I've got Charlotte Edwards' number on my phone. And yeah, it, I mean, like meeting, meeting anyone, she, she's just yeah, a really pretty dream-worthy person to have been coached by. And I remember there's, I think I've got, I had her autograph on my first ever bat. I think as well, I had Lydia Greenway's autograph as well. In fact, Lydia Greenway was the first person who told me to go play cricket. And I, I drunkenly told her that on a night out in Taunton and got really sentimental about it. And <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm still very much in awe of who are around me at certain times, whether it was who I was being coached by or who I'm, I have access to now sometimes I genuinely have to go into the back room and just go like oh my god I just spoke to Catherine Silver Brunson you know it's, it's very exciting very cool but she, she, she was a great coach honestly what is it with drunk nights out and taunt and everyone just seems to like spill their secrets I know it's, there was something about Mando's uh, you know there's a bit of advertisement for them now I think it's the main place to go to in Taunton obviously had four days there and towards the end of the test match when there hadn't been much play we haven't been exerting much energy. So I think day day three was the day to go to Mambo's. Not that I will reveal anything else. See, I definitely went to a beer keller 
when I was last in Taunton, but I think it's closed down now. Uh, it must be. Yeah, we had we had one one night at the pub playing shuffleboard, which is the night I discovered my love for shuffleboard, and also just affirmed how competitive I am at every single. I was going to say, do. how competitive did that get? Oh my goodness, I I have serious issues. I I can make anything into a competition, and I think we're all quite competitive as well within that setup. So yeah, it was it was carnage, but it was fun because it was a mix of the the broadcasting and the cricket media who were doing the writing. And because Taunton wasn't the biggest space or isn't the biggest space, it's quite fun when the women's team goes down there because everyone. I mean, we were literally walking towards the shuffleboard place and saw the England team walking off to Nando's in the other direction. So I think if you'd gone down there at the time, there was a very high chance of you bumping into some kind of international player. And so you're now training to be a lawyer, you're playing cricket, you're commentating cricket, you're having a life at the same time. How do you balance it all? I don't really know. I get asked this a lot because I don't know whether it's just I benefit from the fact my mind is so punishingly cruel that any second I'm not doing something, I feel guilt about relaxing or there's something I could be doing, which is a very open, like I really struggle to relax in the evening. And so I guess, at least by doing the cricket and the commentary, I'm still doing something. I'm tricking my mind into going, yeah, come on, you're, you're being productive. You're not wasting the day. You can't waste the day. But obviously it, does, it doesn't feel like work, whilst compared to the exams or revision I'm doing right now, I do feel a bit more like work. Um, but I just love it. I love to stay busy. It keeps me happy. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I, love a, I love a challenge as well, which is so cliche to say, because that got me through a lot of law applications. But I do really like a challenge. And, I remember I went up to Durham for the women's T20 last summer um, when I think there was a few complications around the Queen's funeral. It's a few reshufflings of who was going up there. Drove up there, nightmare journey, flat tyre, contact lens fell out, rain and darkness along the way. <laughs> so it was a bit of a nightmare. I went up there, did the game, which wasn't the best game, and then left at 4.30 the next morning to drive from Durham to Southampton to go play for my club. Because I just didn't want to miss the game. I was like, it's one of our last ones of the season. I wanted to be there. And then I think drove straight home after that to get ready to start uni. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I love it. I can't say no. If anyone asks me to do something, I'm like, yeah, go on then. Why not? I think I followed that. You uploaded it on Twitter, didn't you? The, the routes you were taking. And you've basically done the journey around the UK to do some cricket, which is dedication yeah. to um, it is, and it has helped my driving ability. That's the one thing I'll say. Because before then, I probably wasn't a very confident driver. But when you have to drive from Durham to Southampton, you kind of have to back yourself a bit. So you're playing, you're commentating, but how did you first actually get into commentary? So I remember getting an Instagram message from Charlotte Taylor, and basically she'd done a couple games for BBC Solent, so Emily Windsor. And it was all part of this initiative, which was created by um, Adam Blackmore and Kevin James at BBC Solent, just to get a few more fresh voices into their commentary. And it was actually uh, Emily and Hayes, after starting commentary, both then kind of got called up to the main Viper squad. So they suddenly had an opening and BBC Solent liked to have a female voice on women's games. So they kind of went, we've got someone who doesn't shut up. She's a complete badger. Let's put her forward. And yeah, there was no kind of guarantee it would be anything more than those those first two games. But fortunately, I was given a chance and got on really, really well with, with Kev. And after that, did a, a few more of the women's games. I got to see some cracking games as well. I think I saw a 
hat-trick from Emily Arlott, which was amazing in just my third game. Got to do a men's county championship game. That was the first next step up after that, where I got to witness the slowest Ashley Mamlet innings. I think the one where he got 30 off about 220 balls. Um, so that was a nice welcome to county championship cricket for me. Um, and then just went kind of from there. We got the T20 Blast finals day, which was not this most recent one, the one before. So Hampshire got kicked out in the in the semi-finals, and I had I had to spend the next the rest of the day hanging out in the commentary box trying to speak to Chris Wokes. It was an absolute, you know, couldn't be avoided. So yeah, that was a great day. And then it all kind of accumulated at the end of season 2021 season, I think, where we were at the Rachel Harris final, commentating on it being one. Um, and then I got the message if I wanted to get to Canterbury the next day to fill in for someone on, on the final Women's ODI of the Year. So that was my first uh, TMS experience. And yeah, amazing. I got to call Tammy Beaumont Century. I regularly forgot to say the score and commentated the entire Nats of a brunt over of Kate Cross. So it was a highs and lows a great experience and then yeah kind of got even better this most recent year I mean it was such a busy summer for women's sport with the Commonwealth Games in there it really felt like I was all over the country and that was probably the highlight seeing some of the crowds in the Ed Bastion and oh just amazing and of, of course another finals day which I think probably took about five years off my life the amount of stress I experienced um but yeah, it's, it's been amazing. It's all stemmed from, as I said, BT Servant. They just wanted to get new voices in, give people a go. And, you know, I mentioned Emily and Charlotte. We've also had Gemma Green, Stanley, Marissa. I love listening to Stan. And it's just nice that every time you tune in, you're, you're going to get probably a little bit of a different perspective and someone who's had a different cricketing journey. And of course, our very own George Aziz is on BT Servant as well. Just on finals day, as we know, the best part about finals day is not the cricket, it's the mascot race. We all love the mascot race. It's the highlight of the day. 2pm, I'm like, got to put on Sky Sports because I want to see this mascot race. What was it like to commentate on it last year? You know what, like, it's going to sound so awful, it sounded like a blur. It, It felt like a blur even because... I was so excited. So I got the thumbs up from our boss, Adam Mountford, that me and Asif were going to go down. And at the start, we were just going to stand in the corner and watch it go round. And bear in mind, it was about 32 degrees. And I was like, just let us run alongside it. Please, please let us run alongside it. And they were like, do you really want to do that? And for some weird reason, me and Asif were like, yeah, how hard can it be? It's just one lap of the ground. We're not wearing mascot outfits. And I remember being stood at the start line and, Hawkey, um, well, Hawkey came over and, and gave me a big hug, which was so amazing because I've been waving at him all year. So I finally got to meet him, wished him good luck, and then we set off. And oh my god, that was so hard. Like it's so much bigger than you think. And we went, we set up quite a good pace, and then obviously I think I forgot the fact we had to commentate on it as we go. And I'm quite a heavy mouth breather as it goes, so I'm pretty sure all people heard for about. <laughs> Two minutes was just Darth Vader coming through their radios with me trying to chase this giraffe who had the best comeback ever because we completely ruled out Lanky when he fell down, but man, he was good. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I have so like I really do want to run in it. I think because basically I got a message from the, the organisers before I was set to work on the day, and they were like, "Look, we usually have a few free outfits going. Like, do you want to go into one of them?" So I was getting ready to go there just to race until I was like, "Sorry, I have to work on it now." But, you know, I'm either saying I'll run in the race or I think there should be a test match special mascot, maybe like a, a big 
Oh, I've got to a big microphone, but that's like a bit dodgy. Or like um, a competition for a kid to design it? Yes, exactly. And, you know, get one of the, the commentators in there. I think it would be funny. I would happily run if there was maybe a mascot outfit a, a bit smaller, because that is the issue. They're quite manly outfits. I know Nick, who ran in Pinky the Panther, literally had to walk, wear almost like a neck brace because the head is so heavy. So the fact that he even completed that, that, that was a miracle. But... Oh, it's just amazing. And I really, really want the, the kind of regional setup to get mascots because I've spoken about this before. I know it's going to be a bit tricky because they're like blaze. I'm like, okay, a big ball of fire. Okay, we can make that work. The Vipers mascot makes them sliver. I think it would be funnier. But yeah, I would desperately like a mascot race at the Charlotte Edwards Cup. And 100 day. mascots. Oh, exactly. Yeah, easily. Like, I'm not sure how we would put Brave into a being that's the only issue we've got some quite again we've got a welsh fire there's a lot of lot of safety hazards going around or alternatively they run as the crisps they're sponsored by because i would love to see a kp peanut being chased by a hula hoop and then a massive pom bear i just think it would be nightmare inducing i think you'd be cheating though because pom bears have legs yeah that is true have to skip there are a lot of questions here this is going to take to more I'm than sure, that. I'm, I'm sure I'll give it two years and it will already be part of the rule book for 100, I'm, I'm very sure. And um, so I suppose I want to know, other than yourself, if you had to pick someone from the BBC TMS box to run in the mascot race, who do you think would win? And also, if you guys had your own little like, race, who do you think would win and why? Oh, well, who I would back to win at actually T20 finals day, it's probably... Stefan Schemmel because when we were doing the test match in Thornton I'm pretty sure every morning he was going out for a run so as I was coming out of breakfast having just eaten a full breakfast every single day he was coming back from going on a run I'm pretty sure he's really active so either Stefan or I guess you know if, if Izzy Westbury came was happy to come back for the day she runs you know 10k's for fun so either of those two I would back to a to win in the actual race but I mean oh goodness but if, if we were all to race each other I mean I think unfortunately maybe a, a few of the older commentators may be a bit disadvantaged I'm not ruling out Hartley because she's still an she's a proper athlete still even though you know she, she may joke about it on air but she, she I reckon she would be sneakily quick so so you maybe, haven't got your money on Norcross I don't know. It depends whether the authorities are chasing him for defamation cases. Or someone's stolen his bottle of wine. Exactly. I, I think those might motivate him to just bolt for it. But I think I think I would come in a comfortable middle. I wouldn't want to draw attention to myself. I wouldn't want to embarrass myself by going a bit too fast out of the blocks. But yeah, maybe Hartley or, or Elwis, I, I reckon, might. As they, They've got the professional athlete cards. They can chomp us. And so it sounds like you do have some pretty good times in the commentary box. Obviously, the idea of a mascot race, even better. What would you pick out as like maybe one of the best times you've had in the commentary box, either at TMS or doing Vipers or Commonwealth Games? And also, what's been some of the hardest stuff? Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm not going to be able to have one favourite moment. I think the the very obvious one for having a lot of fun is was the this last um, finals day with the no ball on the last ball because I just it was just hilarious. Like 
I continued to speak, but I wasn't thinking about what I was speaking because it was so funny seeing this ground completely immersed in smoke with the umpire still having his hand or his arm held out, all the Hampshire players dropping to their knees and the Lancashire players celebrating. And Kev next to me just hadn't looked up yet. And I was trying to elbow him to get his attention and pointing at the board. And he just didn't realise. I think it took him about 10 seconds to realise it. It had been a, a no ball, but even the the two twenty six experience before that was a lot of fun. I think it's nice because you get all of the the county teams have their own commentary boxes as well as the TMS one. So there ends up being about five boxes going along the front, all with different regional teams in, and it's it's lovely to see everyone from around the circuit. And you get to be incredibly biased with your with your coverage because only really Hampshire fans are going to be listening to you. So I think I accused about seven players of cheating across the duration of that day. Probably shouldn't have, but hey, the Hampshire fans would have liked it. The Commonwealth Games was just a whole laugh for all of it because, I mean, we were like little kids when we got there. We were so excited. We, I think it was me, uh, Charlotte Smith, our producer, Hartley and Elvis. We went and raided the Commonwealth Games store, bought loads of stash, got back up to the boxes and changed into all our kit. And it was quite a funny moment because up in the Edgebaston commentary boxes, you have a pictures of all the, the great commentators and there's a picture of, you know, the classic kind of scene from the from the 80s, I'd say. And we were just sort of like, looking down on us now, they're just going to see four, four women running around the box wearing tons of Commonwealth Games kit with a big cow on it. So... Probably not what they expected for the future of TMS commentary, but um, I think it's wonderful. But that was that was such a laugh. We just ate tons of snacks the whole time, covered some very good cricket, and you know got really really close in those twelve days. So it was it was really nice to to get to know everyone more. Yeah, I mean the only last one I would say is probably every single time I've shared the box with Norcross because I find him the funniest person in the world I think next to anything I just want to go sit next to Norcross because I find him hilarious he also gives fantastic advice really really good advice but yeah just the the loveliest funniest person <laughs> you'll, you'll ever meet so yeah anytime I get to go on air with him or have a have a chat with him at the game is, is just great um I've just remembered the second part of the question before times have been hard it's always hard adjusting between the format you have, you know, one day I might be doing county championship in which you've really got to get the tone right. And also, I guess, the audience is a, is a bit different to the one you'll be getting for the, the women's games on TMS. It may be a bit more of a traditional audience, maybe a bit older. And sometimes I haven't got the tone right and you get criticism for it. And obviously criticism sticks in your head and you've gone, oh my God, I've messed up completely. People hate me. So I think getting the tone right county championship can be a, a big struggle particularly when there's not much going on in the game and you want to have fun and you want to talk about the cricket but you also don't want to talk about the cricket and you'll never please everyone you've got some people hate when you you know diverge away from the game they don't like any nonsense chat well some people love the nonsense chat I personally love the nonsense chat so finding the balance is, is absolutely key and I think then for the for the shorter games, you have the complete opposite difference of you've just got to stay so alert to everything that's around you and make sure you're giving the big moments the, the praise they deserve. Because I remember one of my feedbacks I got when I had a bit of commentary advice was when I did that first ODI CMS and I did do Beaumont Century, I listened back to it. And I didn't really build up to it at all. And when I did it, I didn't, you know, really describe what she was doing. I wasn't you know, giving people a picture of the crowd's reaction. It was at her home ground. 
And there's so many things that in hindsight you go, oh, I could have done that a lot better. So I think for me, it's always reminding myself. As soon as someone gets into the 40s or the 90s, I always put a massive note in front of me, be like, get hyped, and then kind of start building up and, and hoping that the, the audience get excited with you about whatever big moment might be coming. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to get the tone. And I'm imagining as well, it's going to be very hard for me to go back into commentary. I think I've got my first commentary in a month now. And I've basically not, I've had one game, I think, since, since September, which was the under-19 World Cup. And I wasn't 100% happy with my commentary in that because, you know, you, you are you are getting back into it. And then I've also had another big break since then. So it's definitely going to be thrown in the deep end, I think, when I have to go back and do that, that day one. I think it's Hampshire versus not. And just make sure I get the basics right, get the tone right. It, it, it'd probably be a bit of a challenge. Oh, and don't swear. As always, number one Melissa rule, don't swear. Don't mix up and- Catherine's to the Brunt's name. Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely heard someone refer on the World Cup the other day or on the WPL to Nat as Natalie Brunt. And I was like, you know what? It's almost there, I guess. But yeah, I guess that's. And do you ever find that there's sort of, I mean, I know we see a lot of things on social media, all that kind of stuff. Do you find it ever impacts you sort of negatively with your commentary and stuff? You know, you mentioned, oh, you get a negative feedback from someone and then it sticks in your head. How do you sort of avoid that social because we've talked about it before how you and I are like right we're just going to mute responses on these kind of things because we know that stuff is going to happen and people are going to say things do you find that ever affects you yeah I think I think it affects everyone I've had some really great chats Ali Mitchell's been really really helpful with you know getting messages um Hartley's also been great because whatever you do you know you're, you might be getting 99 nice messages for every one nasty one but your brains just work like that you'll remember the nasty one and I remember yeah I got an email through doing county championship which was the BBC Sovan and it was <laughs> it was headed my name so I was like oh goody here's some here's some big hyping up it wasn't it was three paragraphs about how they thought I was an idiot and compared me to a donkey <laughs> so at first I just kind of laughed so I feel like with any kind of like thing you know it's like when you fall over you kind of laugh and you're like oh okay it's fine but then I could I could feel it impacting what I was doing for the rest of the day and I was doing uh, the next day as well and I just kind of lost a bit of my spark and I was you know tiptoeing around because I just suddenly was like I don't want to upset these kind of people you know maybe I just want to stick to the cricket I don't want to risk upsetting anyone with my style but you know you can't you can't do that I think that was quite early on in my commentary. And it, as I say, it's still the example I use because I still remember it exactly. And yeah, it's, it, they, they will always stick with you. You've just got to, and I, I guess as I do more games, you'll only probably get more kind of negative things. Hopefully not too much more, but you will get more. And it's just, you just having to remind yourself, you know, this person's chosen to take time out of their day to write in this email. Or if there was one where a person kept, making different accounts to zoom in on a picture of my nose and send it in with me saying that I had a big nose and I was like I've already you know I've laughed to my friends about the fact that I look like a claymation character from Wallace and Gromit before and you can't get through this skin but yeah it, it, you know block it out these people are wasting their time doing things to just try and ruin other people's days and when you put it like that and just think how sad it is you know now I just have no hesitation in blocking people I have no hesitation in blocking anyone who who posts anything sexist you know anything racist anything transphobic underneath any positive post on social media which is meant to be you know 
bring out compliments in kind words. Someone's got the time to write something negative and I'll just block them now because they're not worth occupying any time in my mind. I also find people who feel the need to do that, if they've got so much free time on their hands, they're obviously jobless because why would you, why would you, like, what purpose in life do you have to set up a social media account trolling someone's nose like that's so bizarre yeah and alex does not take them well alex will reply when i've had people say things to me before she's like right i'm going in i'm like okay alex (laughs) oh i I, I just get into i just think it's so unnecessary like you don't know what battles people are fighting and stuff like that so like when they come for Georgie, it's like shut up. They're all, and they're always like, you need to eat a burger. What she what she's a vegetarian, what she's vegan, what she can't eat a burger. Like, do you know what? Why it is so ridiculous. Why it's also, as I said, you know, it's attacking someone for not with Georgie. Attacking someone who's using their platform for only good things. And the one decision you've made in your day just attacks something nasty. I just you know, there is much better things to do. Go outside, touch some grass, breathe in fresh air, just put the phone down. I think there should be a, a three-strike limit that when people tweet nasty things, as soon, or as soon as you're blocked by a certain amount of people, a certain number of people, that's your Twitter account gone. Because, you know, I just don't, certain people, I'm like, you see them come from the same kind of, you know, trash underneath tons of female broadcasters' posts and stuff. And it's just like, just get rid of their account, please. But I don't think Elon Musk will be too keen to do that. If anything, he will probably want more of that. Away from the trolls, I wanted to know, Melissa, what has been, well, I suppose, what format do you enjoy commentating on the most? 50 over, the perfect mix of going off for little stories and being able to have a chat. Have, you have enough time for that back, back and forth kind of dialogue between you and the summariser. I think even though I love doing the longer format stuff I haven't had enough practice in it yet and until there's more women's tests then I won't so fingers crossed we get a few more of those and obviously not involved in the men's stuff yet um and then T20 even though it's a lot of fun it's so stressful having to you know get enough time to summarize it to say their point and keeping an eye on the constantly changing field and then during the hundreds the pure stress of just not saying the word over is yeah just just challenging so I think 50 over I mean I've always said in the women's game I, I love that the 50 over is almost the pinnacle and even though I do want more women's test matches I don't think that you know people should be just because in the men's game test matches are the pinnacle I don't think it necessarily has to be the same in the women's and especially if we look to the men's game and say actually you know the 50 over format people are saying it's dying it might be in the men's but it's certainly not in the women's so if the women can become you know the, the main kind of players of the 50 over format I think it would be really good for them to be able to stamp their mark on it because I think they play the 50 over game a lot better than most men's teams do now as well I think the women's game has the pace of 50 overs you know down down and sorted and you mentioned you know the role of being a woman commentating um and that you want to you know you commentate on women's but you do do men's as well do you ever find it sort of harder that you almost have to make your voice heard more as a woman in that space and has that changed since you got involved I certainly think in a a, you know the setup I'm involved in at BBC Solent it's you're treated on such a a level basis there's no pressure on you at all it's not really seen as oh you're a girl you're doing this you're just all there as commentators I do feel in other situations you know still 
there's there's that pressure that you have to be better than your male colleagues next to you because then suddenly you've got you know you're already being held to a higher standard you need to do well just for people to accept you being a commentator like mm, she's good enough she's good for a woman you get that you get that said to you so many times like oh I don't like other female commentators but I like you I'm like that's not a nice thing to receive because <laughs> it's just such a weirdly backhanded compliment um so yeah it, I feel like there's a lot more pressure certainly um to just make yourselves heard and also because I don't have any professional playing experience you've also sometimes you know got people saying like what's your qualification for saying this then and I'm like well one I watch cricket every single second of the day and don't have any friends who don't leave the house um but secondly I'm like you know there is a, most of the I feel the female broadcasters it is getting better but most of them are ex-players and it can sometimes be a bit hard to see yourself if you, you know I play club level now and go how on earth are people going to listen to me or care about my opinion but then if we look over to, you know, the men's commentators, Simon Mann, Henry Moran, Dan Norcroft, they weren't professional players. And, you know, they've been able to get through it. They've, I'm not sure whether they have, but if they have been challenged, you know, they've proven themselves to be such effective effective commentators and such brilliant commentators. What's to say that any woman can do it? You don't need that professional background to be qualified to say this opinion. And it sometimes feels like a bit of a barrier, but I don't think it's it's becoming as much of one anymore I'd say the biggest thing for me of what I've observed is the need to guess to get more female more women behind the scenes you know in production um in having people operating you know the camera work I think especially actually in the written media I think you know there's such an asking for, for more female writers to be given an opportunity because when you walk into the press box at Edgebaston or at most of the grounds I go to my number one favorite thing to do is annoy the written press um that's how i've made all my friends like um attack them when they're working hard um but yeah you go down and there's like i think it's the 20 finals day there'll be like five six women it needs to get better and i think you know it is getting better we saw sonia twig went over to pakistan to go right on the men's test score that was amazing i'm so proud of her um but it can definitely do with getting a bit more diverse and you've got the likes of Charlotte as a producer, and she's fab. Oh, Swifty is probably actually one of the biggest influences, I think, across this last year. She fills me with a confidence which no one else can get out of me. You know, I, I'm very prone to, if there's a quick innings break or there's a rain break, just being like, I can't do this. Or, you know, I don't feel as if I'm experienced enough to open up the show. And she's always just like, you're doing it, you know. When this, when the the TMS tune starts playing, I'll do a thumbs up. That's when you talk. I want you to do this announcement. I want you to do this. And she's just never ever let me doubt myself ever. Um, she's become literally one of my closest friends. Um, we had we spent a lot of the summer as well together as well. I think we had the the women's games over to the Commonwealth Games and then to the hundreds. And she's incredible at her job. She has the ability to just make at you know at ease anyone who is in that box. She challenges you. She gets the perfect balance, I think, of, you know, the, the perfect... But, yeah, she, I mean, Swifty is one of those people who's worked so hard to be where she is now, and she does work with the men's test as well, which is fantastic. But she has control over the commentary box, but she also gets the perfect sound. She gets the right amount of informative. She gets the right amount of laughter and just brings just oh, such just a, yeah, 
such an almost aura of just calmness and fun to wherever she is. Um, I can see her going so far, so, so far. And yeah, just such, I think whenever I start to doubt myself, I just think of her lovely Yorkshire accent telling me, I'm not going to try and recreate it, but just saying like, don't you dare doubt yourself because, you know, it's all she'll say. And she'll tell, she'll, she'll see straight away if I'm having like a, a wobbly day or if I need to clear my mind and she's just the perfect person to chat to. So, you know, if anyone hasn't heard of Charlotte's book, please just go follow her and bombard her with love and support because she is just the best. Yeah, she is like a proper badger for cricket as well. Proper badger. Oh, so cute. I love it. Well, you'll be reunited soon enough, I'm sure, for some cricket. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, we've got, I've got a good few months of county stuff, I guess, and and regional stuff. So I mentioned I've got county championship in a month's time. Um, I'm doing quite a few dates of those. And I'm also going to be, mixing my coverage for the Southern Vipers and also doing a couple Western Storm games. So my allegiance is being split, um, but I'm really looking forward forward to seeing that and and especially seeing, you know, a bit of the new talent in Western Storm because they're one of these regions where I think suddenly without an England player that that which I know of, or at least they've they've had a few players leave them in the recent they're they're quite a young young team and we've seen Danny Gibson go as a, a non-travelling reserve for the World Cup. So I'm excited to see her play in those, those few games. And then obviously all the, the Ashes starts in June. And I was so daft and chose all my university modules around exam dates, which would allow me to go to the women's test. Whether I'm working or watching, I don't care because I'm going to be at that test. Um, yeah, so excited. Yeah, my plan is to be there for every day. That is kind of... Just the plan, just lock out those days and be in Tunbridge because I think that's the place to be. Um, and so when you first got into commentary and stuff, who had you looked up to in commentary? And had you ever really thought when you were younger, like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to get into while I train to be a lawyer as well? Never imagined the commentary. So I, I never really knew I wanted to be a lawyer as well. I kind of figured that out in lockdown. Um had to go through all these applications to try and find a, a, a law firm which I liked and I wanted to work for. training contract secured. And then a month later, I did my first ever commentary. So it wasn't even something I thought about when I was applying for the, the law positions. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's a, a specific name really who who I loved. I mean, I always loved listening to the blowers when I was growing up and I remember when Stuart Broad got his eight for fifteen. We were in the car, I think, driving to or from a cricket game when I was younger. I must yeah, I must have fifteen. And there was it was such the excitement that Australia, you know, Broad was storming and getting these wickets. You could hear the crowd through the radio and blowers just like, Oh, that's a delightful butterfly going past. And I was like, I just love the fact that you're in the most exciting sporting moment ever, but you took the time to notice a little butterfly going past. And then I got to commentate with blowers on a charity game and it was the coolest thing ever. Um, I literally was freaking out the whole time, like my hands were shaking. Um, and he was he was lovely, he was so complimentary. Um, so that was incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, no real other standout voices around that, but it's always been the radio's always been on in my house. Like we would have the TV on in one room, 
that we'd all be in different parts of the house. I'd be in my room, mum and dad would be in the garden, quite a big gardening family. We'd all have our little radios set up around. As soon as a wicket fell, you would hear just like this foghorn call of wicket. And everyone would just run to this to the living room just to go rock, watch the replay. So, you know, I was I was very much raised on radio commentary rather than watching the TV. And I guess a lot of that is obviously after the 2005 series, cricket going off free to air. I think I'm a very good example of that kind of generation and the impact it had on that generation. Because for a good few years, I don't think I really watched. And I know we've gone in and out of being able to pay for the coverage. Um, but now, obviously, because it's split across coverage, we can't watch some stuff, we can watch others. But radio will always be there for you. So, you know, and I, I say to so many of my friends at uni who are getting into cricket a bit more, when the Women's World Cup was up, I was like, TMS are covering every single game. I know I'm biased, but go listen because, you know, Hartley or Elwith may just say something which makes you go, oh my God, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of that. Or it may just be a case of them describing the fielding positions helps a player learn you know, where to, where to picture them. And I love this newer thing of using a clock face to describe where the fielders are. I think it got used more in the hundreds. Loved that because I just, you know, radio commentary is always there, regardless of if you have these TV packages or not. And it's just got to be as inclusive as possible to bring in as many new fans as, as possible. And obviously, you know, Isha and Ebony, also part of TMS, they also do comms for television broadcast would that be something potentially in the future not now somewhere down the line that you'd potentially like to explore I definitely wouldn't say no um I, I love the radio commentary and I love being able to describe and paint a picture but I certainly yeah would never turn down anything I think they would have a, a lot of work cut out getting me in front of a camera because I'm constantly wearing tracksuits um and my hair is never brushed um, I'm only looking, my hair's only looking this nice because I just got out of the shower because I had an exam this morning and I sweat so profusely throughout the three hours I had to go straight to the shower. Um, bit of TMI for you there. But yeah, I, I would definitely be happy to. Um, would have to get a better wardrobe, as I said, sort myself out. But I, it's a completely different challenge. And I think the hundreds illustrated that when we had games being broadcast on BBC and then we would be next door. Not to say we were, we were kind of forgotten about, but we could just, kind of get on with our own thing it was what we're used to we just would get in set up our equipment get started whilst you just hear like running around and franticness next door and there's a big green screen and everyone's got hair and makeup being done and you've got to get down to the pitch and back up to the box and I was just like oh okay you know seems like a bit of a, a lot of a hassle at the moment so yeah I, I I definitely wouldn't say no but I'm very content with with doing the radio stuff at the moment and have you found that commentating has helped your actual game? Oh, no, I've never been asked that one before. I, oh, yeah, you've got me lost for words. Maybe. I think it's it's made me actually, I think, less harsh on myself now. And it, it's weird because I, I think once I got dropped from the RDC kind of setup, I stopped playing county cricket. I felt like, you know, I'm 21. I, I'm a complete wash up in sport. I had quite a bad stress fracture injury as well. So I was trying to come back from that. And I definitely lost my enjoyment in the game for like a good two years. Um, so I feel at least through the, the commentary, I'm enjoying cricket more because I still feel a part of being in that setup. And I guess I am watching it so much, you know, I, I can go, oh, Sophia Dunkley plays that shot well. I reckon I can do that. 
And I think just because I'm enjoying it more and I'm in such a good environment, I probably do play better as a result. Um, I don't think my stats would show that. So no one go looking up my paper stats. That's my biggest fear in life is someone looking up the fact I average about 12. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I learned quite a lot from, yeah, just, just, just watching. And even if I don't execute it exactly, I am taking it in. And I learned so much, for example, when suddenly I, I know how spin works a lot more now because I'm having to watch the hands whilst they're going into bowl. And now I find myself watching the bowler's hands. I don't know what it means, but I am watching. Um, so one day I'll figure it out and not get bowled through the gate. But yeah, it, it, it probably will. And I think over time, being around just you know some of the people in the commentary box as well like I was asking Stephen Finn for some advice and you know as I said being around Georgia and Alex you do pick up some some good tips so all I've got to do now is get a net session with them that would be fun it would take a lot of convincing I think I'll have to buy a lot of rounds to drag them out to a net with me and just let them impart their wisdom I'll be like please I need to get that average up to like the 20s at least but yeah, it, uh, it, maybe it will. Hopefully it will. Well, you never know. You just start with a trip to sixes and work up from there. You know what? I have, well, we I, we met there and I was dreadful. I am a very traditional cricket, cricket it turns out, and I just kept playing, cracking cover drives, but they did not pick me up a single point. Um, so, yeah, I need to get a bit better. It was a Maddie Villiers one. It kept, like, literally bowling through the gate. So, well done, Maddie. Um, but I do need to go back to sixes. I need them to open one in Bristol. I would be there all the time. So this is a message to Sixers. Open in Bristol. Okay. Well, that sounds like a pretty good call to action to sort of bring that part of our discussion to a close. We like to always round up with sort of quick fire questions. Um, um, one we usually like to start with is what is your favourite sledge you've ever used or heard? Girls, put your seatbelts on because this girl can't drive. Nice. I'm straight in with that one. Love that. Yep. Yeah, it, it was used on me after I drove my car into the ditch. So, mm, yeah. Alex, you up next? Yeah. Um, TikTok or Twitter? Oh, no. Uh, Twitter. Oh, do I regret that? No. I'll go Twitter. I'll go Twitter. Uh, Favourite item at a cricket tea? Mini Cornish pasties. Right, fantastic. Yeah, I just remember Newport Cricket Club do the best cricket teas I've ever had in my life, and they had tons of those, tons of chicken nuggets. So if anyone ever goes to Newport Cricket Club, best teas in the world. Because that was actually going to be my next question: where have you had the best teas? But there you go. Newport for club cricket, but for all cricket, Edgbaston. It's always Edgbaston. Yeah, we, we've heard that one a few times, haven't we? And everyone and their love for the weird banana thing down at Taunton. Wait, what weird banana things at Taunton? Taunton have this banana honey. honey pudding of some form that everyone is obsessed with. Um, no, see, I, I I didn't have any of that. I feel a bit let, let down now. I thought when you said a weird banana thing, there was going to be like some kind of like contraption which like shot bananas out. Into no, but that does sound fun. Box. Let's move I on like to the t-shirt cannon and let's have a banana catapult. Exactly. Um, last thing you binged watched. Oh, I'm I'm currently binge watching. Uh, I did White Lotus recently, and then I'm rewatching Modern Family, and also watching Death in Paradise. I love Death in Paradise. Superstar. 
super story even. I'm watching many things because as I mentioned, I'm I'm in the middle of exams at the moment and I need to get my mind away from stress in the evening. So I'm kind of going with classic comedy, take yeah. my mind off. Um, I say Super comedy, Death and Paradise is murdered. Superstore is fantastic. I love it. I love it. Just the like little bits that happen and suddenly someone pushing trolleys and it goes on for too long and you're like, this is really funny. Um, Death in Paradise, I just don't like the newest person, Neville. Oh, Ralph Little. Yeah, I, mean, no, I liked like it him. when it was the guy that was in Love Actually, not Love Actually, yeah. Colin. Mm. And um, he has another one, doesn't he, that isn't Death in Paradise. It's like Beyond Paradise. It's like a spin-off that's going on at the moment. Oh, don't tell me that. I'm already committing far too many hours to, but, to watch And also Married at First Sight Australia just restarted, and that's where I'm going. I saw that on your social media. See, I've managed to keep myself away from Love Island this year because... I just I just couldn't bring myself to do it again. I'm sure I'll watch the summer one, but I can't do two Love Islands in a year. My brain tells yeah. me out. The winter um, ones. An air hostess one. actually asked me when I flew to South Africa if I was going on Love Island. And bearing in mind, I was dressed like this, looking like this. I looked at them and I was like, no, definitely what, not. Mate? I think that's a sign that next time you're signing up, we'll get you. We'll be the first. Oh, Alex is last ahead of the idea. Can you imagine me on Love Island? I'd be awful. You'd be the most sane person there because you wouldn't ham it up. They're all like, oh, like I'm like half of you don't even. Can I um speak correct English? Chat by the fire pit and then just whisper like, did you know that India just declared on four hundred and Oh my god, amazing! Yeah. I would, yeah. You get to get the producers to slip you in secret information about the cricket score. Or I just felt I've really got something really important I need to talk to you about. How do you feel on being run out at the non-striker's end? <sighs> and they'd be that, like, could end, that could end relationships. That could, though. Honestly, but I could be like, this is how we're just going to sort this before we've even started anything here. I just need your stance on this. There you go. Oh. Easy. Done. Sorted. Or, I don't know. What like do you feel about women having five-day test matches? And they just be like, uh, are you okay, hun? Are you having a stroke? But anyway, Five-day oh test God. matches, what's that? Yeah, well, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not going to talk to you again now, bye. Um, what kind of music, what's your, what kind of music you into, you go to? Oh, probably like indie, indie pop. Well, see, I, I'm, I like everything, actually. But my favourite two artists, which shows the diversity is Taylor Swift and Declan McKenna. Oh, nice. Um, Good choice. Yeah, I I really, yeah, I, I love a bit, probably indie pop then is like the best kind of mix. I've had a couple of gigs which have been cancelled recently in Bristol though, so there's a bit, bit of a sad one. I'm not really sure what's going around. I think I three lined up for the, the winter and they all got cancelled. So if you're an Wait, artist down in Bristol, don't... Uh, yeah, somewhat OT, somewhat motion. Um oh. I was meant to go and see Dayglow, who again is one of my favourites, and they just cancelled just before. I was like, "What are you guys doing for me?" Like, oh. so I'm not, I'm not really a festival person. I don't like camping, so I'm not. Love Saves the Day, Love Saves the Day festival is great because it's not an overnight one in Bristol. Oh. Love Saves the Day. That'll be sort of end of. It was always at end of exams time, so like June, I guess. May, June. June, and then Tokyo World is basically the same thing, but it's like always. It always used to be at the end of Freshers' Week. That's also Bristol. Um, and that's end of September. There you go. Oh, I'll make a note. Thank you very much. Gee, spreading the wealth. Yeah, but I was just used to really like that we went home, stayed back at our 
in our houses and then went back to a festival the next day. That's the way to do it. But, yeah, very much so. Um, well, I feel like we've probably kept you enough of your day and you're, you're probably very bored of having to do monotonous things like exams and talk to us. Um, and so you probably want to not look at a screen unless it's like Superstore or something for the next couple of hours. So we will wrap things up there. Mel, Mel, Melissa, Melissa story, the wonderful Melissa story in that wonderful jumper that I'm very jealous of. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love hearing you across our radios. My mum is a big fan, as I've told you before, and she listens to a lot of cricket. She had TMS in her ear when she gave birth to my brother. Um, Oh, so I love that. I, I want to give birth to Gemma. Yeah, I'm going to give birth to him. We are going to give birth to Tim. We're all going to plan. Everyone. Oh, I wonder how many people there are that have done that. I'm going to try and find out. Call to arms. Have you ever given birth to TMS? Let us know. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely fab to chat to you. And we love hearing you on our radios. And we're buzzing for what? Just around a month's time. And you'll be back on the airwaves. And that means summer is finally here. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's, it's been lovely to chat to a podcast I've wanted to be on for a long time. We finally made it work. And yeah, you've offered a great distraction from revision. I've loved it. Cool, well, thank you also, so much. Also, Melissa, if you've got any trolls, send them my way. I'll sort them right out. <laughs> and also, where can, where can our listeners find you on social media? Oh, here we go. So you can find me on Twitter, at Melissa's You Story. You could find me on Instagram is at underscore Melissa Story underground underscore. And oh, well, do you really want the TikTok? The TikTok link's on the Twitter. So if you desperately want to see me try and make cricket related content and you'll know where you'll know where to look. So those are the two main ones. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure you're suddenly gonna get a heap of TikTok followers. I hope so. I hope so. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at GeorgiaHeath27, at CassieCoons98, at MahikaVarshini, and I'm at Alex Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time. Podcast Network.